Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Father's Movies. I'm Vito. I'm Dan. And I'm Jesse. And we're coming at you with some vengeance. Vengeance. It's just vengeance. Is there something in the way of that vengeance? I I don't like uh, maybe a criminal or two in between me and yeah, (laughs) and Nirvana, (laughs) a criminal or two and Nirvana between me and vengeance. Um, No anger, no rage, no rage. That was in the trailer, not in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) There is something though that is in the way of us beginning this episode properly, and that is uh, we do not have Mike with us this evening. Um, He is dearly missed. We will be including some questions in the vein of Mike later on. Um, we hope that they are as uh, as fair-minded and open as as you would expect from us impersonating Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for that segment, the Mike impersonation segment. <laughs> It'll be yeah, so seminal. But, but guys, like, what 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 is this even about? You know, <laughs> why isn't it a bottle episode? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, this is gonna be too much fun. But we're all here today to talk about something we're really excited to talk about. We were going to talk about it a whole month ago, but we decided to hold it until the most people could have seen it because it's on HBO Max right now. And we are talking about 2022's The Batman. Very, very excited for this. Thought we were going to do it a month ago, but I'm really happy now because I hope that more people will be able to get to this and see it at home or if they want to rush out to the screens and still see it. I saw it on IMAX. I really recommend that. Uh, I, I just really want to hear, this is the one that I want to hear from a ton of our listeners. What did you think about this movie? Like, I want I want the most listener engagement I can possibly get with this because I want the broadest appeal to people because I feel like this is going to be this is going to be a little divisive. What, what do you guys think? Yeah, it seems like online, it's generally positive. It's generally people were blown away by this. But also there, I know there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of people that didn't like things about it and it wasn't as divisive as obviously like Last Jedi or something like that, but it, I definitely saw a lot of controversy online. And yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this and hear the controversy in the room. Possibly. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I can hear it. I can hear it sizzling in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I want to know what people think about this too. This is one of the few movies where after, after seeing it, I, I stay away from from what people thought about movies generally, because normally Vito's the one who knows what everybody thinks about the movie. And I just come in saying like, like a country bumpkin saying, here's what I thought, uh, you know, like <laughs> you, fresh. No, you, your take is pure and unsullied. That's, that's the way right. to say it. Yeah. It's, it's pure. <laughs> that's right. I'm pure, like a country bumpkin. <laughs> uh, but this time I actually went out and listened to podcasts because I was, I, I had no idea what to make of this, and I wanted to know everybody's opinion. So yeah, yeah, to everybody out there listening, please let me know what you think. I want to hear. It. Yeah, um, this this was a movie I really regretted not like. I, I wish it had come out, you know, ten years ago, back when we were all in school, and and I wish that um like a huge crowd of people could have gone to see this, like all of our friends, and then I wish we could all have come out on the sidewalk and just been like just hash it out, like right there in the parking lot. Like, what do we think? What do we feel? First impressions. I miss that so much. Instead. Well, I, I won't. I won't jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead. I, I, I want to keep the first impressions where they are because I actually have kind of a story to tell about the when I saw this movie the first time. Normally, at this part in the podcast, we would do a "What's Up" segment, like we've been doing the past few times, but we're dropping that segment because it's now a monthly episode that we're going to ask that you pay for. Now we're not. <laughs> I know. I know. But we just kind of figured. We're doing this podcast, and when you click on an episode, you want to listen 
to that movie. But if you care about us, then maybe you want to support us, then you'll probably care about our personal interests and what we think and do on our free time on a regular basis. So we're making a whole episode devoted to that. And uh, yeah, it's a Patreon exclusive. So please support us. If you if you like us, you will give us money is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so we've, we've done this show for almost 100 episodes. And this is a long show, guys. We put a lot of work into this, a lot of thought. And honestly, as, as we've been gone on, we, we've our episode lengths have varied wildly from I think our shortest one is like the Muppet movie at like 54 minutes, all the way up to like three and a half hour extravaganzas that we've done. Um, we love doing this for you. We love talking to each other. But this What's Up segment it was so much fun for us to do, but it was not really connected to the rest of the show. And it just made so much sense for us to put it kind of somewhere else. But in order for us to kind of do that, to spend the additional time every month to make a, a big episode for you, where we go over not only what we've been watching, but maybe like what we've been listening to, maybe what games we're playing, what books we're reading, just stuff we're into as people. That's where this goes now. It's going to go there and we want to do it for you there. And if you want to hear us, then uh, we just ask you pay a little bit of a fee. Uh, we'll obviously drop the Patreon links down in the episode description. We've got come up with a couple little different tiered plans. We're not out to get all your money. We just need a little something to keep the show going um, and finally start paying for some of the expenses that we've just been paying for out of pocket for, heck, like a year and nine months now. <laughs> Getting into it then, no What's Up segment. We're talking about the Batman. I'm, I'm so excited to talk about this. So this is written, directed, and produced by Matt Reeves, who's the guy that originally came up with Cloverfield back in the day. You guys remember Cloverfield? Yeah, I remember Cloverfield. Yeah, I love Cloverfield, actually. Oh, you love Cloverfield? I do. I, I It was a movie I used to watch. Like, if I found out someone hadn't seen it, I would just put it on. I, <laughs> I loved it in high school. Because it was like nice. Shaky Cam was kind of a new thing. and Right. It made my mother and I both like a little ill. <laughs> yeah 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 like like my eyes hurt when i was done with it i was like oh could no one have just held that straight for any amount of time but it's really thrilling and like the final is, reveal yeah. of the monster is awesome right and it's yeah. like the micro budget thing which i was kind of a new thing for me in high school i never mm -hmm. knew movies like that could be good and that was my first introduction to that yeah i think probably same for me yeah that you could make like a small thing and then it would like splash really hard. Cause like when Blair Witch Project came out, I was, you know, seven. I didn't see that movie mm. then. <laughs> yeah. Did he make the other Cloverfield movie? Cloverfield Lane? No. That was, no. uh, was that Dan Trachtenberg? That sounds right. There's also a third Netflix one. Yeah. The Cloverfield Paradox, <sighs> which is not good. <laughs> yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane is amazing. The movie slaps. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, I want to see that movie, but Cloverfield Paradox, that instantly is something that I don't care about. It was it's one of those ones, same thing with 10 Cloverfield Lane, where they both began as original screenplays and movies. And then when JJ Abrams signed on to produce, he's like, What if we just retooled to make it a Cloverfield thing? So yeah. originally the the Cloverfield Paradox, <laughs> I believe, is called the God Particle, and it looked really, really cool and fun. And then that happened. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> ew. Okay. Oh, JJ. Always, why jj why he always wants to put his own spin on things yeah. stop spinning things it makes me sick just like cloverfield <laughs> but he also has done uh matt reeves has also done let me in the remake of let the right one in a pretty fantastic little vampire movie and then has, has done um two of the three new planet of the apes movies i have not seen these two i only saw the first one which i really really liked but i just never 
got around to these. I, I don't I don't know. The Planet of the Apes never really engaged me. Like that first, the, what was it? It's uh, it's not. It's Rise of the Planet of the Apes is the first one. Yeah. Um, with with James Franco, I, I dug that one. I, I thought it was interesting and cool sci-fi. I saw it in a in a double feature with my dad on my birthday. I saw that and Captain America back to back. And Aww. dad slept through the entirety of Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great double um, feature. Yeah, That's it was not bad feature. at all. Have you guys seen these all three of these ape movies? I've seen just the one you're talking about, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I know there's like a trilogy, right? All following that same ape, Caesar. Yeah, Rise, um, Dawn, and War. And Matt Reeves did Dawn and War. Also, one of the most confusingly named trilogies of all time. Well, they're incredibly rated. I think they're all like eight point something on IMDb. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to watch because I'm the same way. I've only seen the first one. I thought it was great. But then everybody that saw the other two were like swearing by them when they first came out. Mm. And I've been meaning to see them because I'm I don't know when things have that high of a rating. I'm usually pretty down to at least give it a try. They've been on my watch list for a while. Yeah, like I, I used to be into Planet of the Apes as like a as a franchise because they're like what six films there's an insane number there's a probably a lot more and so i used to be into that and the chronology involved and it's got some crazy time travel and like yeah crazy stuff happens like people are on the planet and there are apes around and all the people are prisoners and stuff and it was it was fascinating as as a little boy or whatever but never really got into it after that there there was that one that came out with i think it was mark Wahlberg. Yeah, the Tim Burton one. Yeah, yeah. That was actually the first PG-13 movie I saw in theaters (laughs) at age 11 or something. Sick, okay. But that stood out to me like, this is my first, I don't know, like, I'm a man now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I know what you mean. Uh, And that one was like, that was marketed like crazy to kids. And I just remember like, even still that, that the poster is badass, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's got that gray blue look and then the, the planet of the apes. And it, it just looks like it's a great time. Yeah, it's not, bunch of, but it just looks like that. <laughs> a bunch of apes on horses ready to rumble. Yeah. On horses, man. <laughs> I don't want to watch it again because in my mind, it's still pretty great. I know that's not <laughs> the actual case. So I'm just going to leave it there in my head as this great fun movie. I'm sure we'll cover it someday because like Jesse has said in many episodes past, we'll eventually do all movies. So. It'll be there yeah. sometime. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's uh, that's Mr. Matt Reeves. Cool guy. I actually met him very briefly once. Uh, very nice man. This is uh, cinematography by Greg Fraser, I believe is how you say his name, or maybe it's just Greg. I don't know. He's got the eye in there. But I wanted to mention him because he is. This is not the first time he's come up on the show. He just did Dune just a little bit ago. So this is a pretty crazy one-two punch for the man. I mean, Dune and the Batman year in year out. Like he's really establishing himself as as somebody, somebody really special. What a man. I kind of want to follow this guy. Like, I just want to look up his IMDb and figure out his upcoming projects and watch them because they're going to be a feast for the eyes. Yes. His new movie is called True Love. Comes out next year. Um, it's written, directed, and produced by Gareth Edwards, who's the guy that brought us uh, Rogue One and the Godzilla. It stars John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Allison Janney, Ken Watanabe. I'm it's, there. Uh, I'm watching it. It's a, it's just a science fiction movie. I didn't know uh, who knows what this is. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to look for it. I don't know what this is. <laughs> this is cool. It, it's got to be three hours. It sounds like Greg Fraser only does three hour long movies. Yeah. Trace Oris. <laughs> this guy is so good at taking a desert planet 
something that is inherently really uninteresting and like a grimy, sweaty, dirty Gotham and turning it into like a masterpiece on the screen. Mm. Like, I don't care what I, he could just have a, a whole movie about a dog and I am there for it. Like if, if it's just about like an anthill, I want to watch it. <laughs> Did he just win a cinematographer? Uh, I, I don't no, I don't think he, I don't think that's what one cinematography is it. I think Dune that's, won cinematography. Oh, I mean, I could be wrong. That's what I'm curious. Oh, I had, yeah, I thought Power of the Dog was going to win, but. Oh, no, he won. He won. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And I, I, I'm a glad anew. What we also have here is we have uh, music by Michael Giacchino. This is obviously the guy behind, you know, the Incredibles, behind multiple Mission Impossible. Like, Michael Giacchino is, is a fantastic composer. And he's been around a long time. And I just wanted to shout him out a little bit because personally, I think he's had kind of a rough last few years where I haven't been really down with what he's been making. And this, I thought, was like a really cool return to to how good I know he is. I'm just going to pull up the last couple ones he's done. He did Spider-Man No Way Home, um, a movie okay. called Extinct, a movie called Let Him Go. He did American an American Pickle with Seth Rogen. He did Jojo Rabbit. He did Spider-Man Far From Home. He did Bad Times at the El Royale, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Incredibles 2. And then I would say his last really good score was Coco in 2017. Okay, Coco is good. I mean, the thing is, like, most of what you said were, like, Disney movies, and Disney has, unless it's, like, a strict musical, it has a way of, like, especially the Marvel movies, like Spider-Man, blending the music into the background, so that way it's indecipherable and sounds like every other Marvel movie out there. On purpose. exactly. Have consistency with the franchise. Yeah, this movie, the music is great. Yeah, I did have, like, one little caveat with the music here. It was... This is weird. It was my thing, something that only I noticed, I think. But like <laughs> when when the main theme is uh what is it? How does it go? When like Batman comes out of the shadows. Bum 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 So that's that's where my mind kept wanting it to go and it never does. And it was a little thing. It was a little thing. It bothered me a little bit, but that is to take away nothing from the score because the score is amazing. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, that's a really, that's such an iconic theme, right? It's, it's so easy to get mm-hmm. uh, yeah. like other things. I, I do like this theme. Uh, we'll get into it more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's great. But coming, but coming up, Michael Giacchino has three, I think probably very disappointing projects coming next, which is Jurassic World Dominion, <laughs> Light, Lightyear, and then Thor Love and Thunder. And when I say disappointing, I just mean, I don't know who's going to remember the music from any of these. <laughs> I don't know who's throwing on like who's still throwing on the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom soundtrack, for example. I, I, I don't think these movies are going to be memorable for their score. Oh, Pixar. Pixar does. I mean, last time he did Pixar, he did Coco, right? And The Incredibles. I like both The Incredibles and Coco. Before Coco, he did Incredibles 2, which is not a score I remember. Although I do remember the original Incredibles. I, I think it's like the same. Yeah, but then if you look back, he also does Spider-Man Homecoming, he does Doctor Strange, he does Star Trek Beyond, he does Zootopia. Like, these are not things that, like, my brain is smooth and these things just skate right over them. Oh, I, I remember the Zootopia. No, no, I remember the, the song from Zootopia, but not the soundtrack. <laughs> um, no, I remember the Star Trek one. I really like the Star Trek theme. I'm the only person that. that seems to like the Star Trek movie, but I like the Star Trek theme as well. No, no, Star. this is Star Trek Beyond. I really dig Star Trek Beyond, but the only musical oh, thing I remember from that is Sabotage, because that's like the best moment of that movie. 
right? When they play Sabotage and then and then by the Beastie Boys, right? And then all the ships are scattering because they're like, play the loudest sound you can imagine. So they play the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen Beyond. I've only seen the first two. Oh, dude, Beyond is great. Beyond is really good. Yeah, we are so off track. Uh, <laughs> damn it. This is why we moved the What's Up to Patreon. And this Starring. is also why we stopped doing these really long casting crews because we tend to do this. But now that we're not doing What's Up, it feels like we need to do something like that. <laughs> something, something. We'll, we'll shoot through this a little bit quicker then. Okay, so we got uh, starring Robert Pattinson as the Batman. We have Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Paul Dano as the Riddler. John Turturro as Carmine Falcone. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Andy Serkis as Alfred the Butler. And Peter Sarsgaard as that poor, pathetic, sad fuck who gets his head blown up. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that, that's who I have for cast. Any, any anyone that you guys wanted to shout out in any way? I, I'll say Robert Pattinson. He, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about his character and his acting yeah. later. But I was actually very excited when I heard that he was playing the Batman. I know there was a lot of people out there that were not interested, or they're like, "What this?" You know, he was just a uh, eye candy. Twilight guy. The, yeah, he's the Twilight guy, and I've seen him in a couple different like artsy films that he's done since then. And anytime that there's that actor that goes off and does like really just passion projects and they do really well in them, like he's an incredible actor, I think. And uh, so I was very excited to see him be the Batman. And I, yeah, I, I, I thought he was going to nail it. And I think he doesn't nail it in this movie. Oh, yeah, he really does. Yeah, a thousand percent agree. Yeah. You know, first he was the man bat. Now he's the Batman. And uh, this is just his thing, man. He should just stick with the bat genre. He and bats, they're just, you know, they like to fly away together. Um, I did want to shout somebody out because I feel like Mike would have done it if he were here. And that's Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Big favorite of Mike's. He was great in The French Dispatch, which was Mike's favorite movie from last year. Mm -hmm. And so as the one nice thing I'm going to say about Mike this episode, that's it. Uh, <laughs> he's also the Westworld guy. For me, he's the Westworld guy. Yes. B Bernard, right? As yeah. Anthony Hopkins says. Yeah. yeah, he's great in that. I he's like one of my favorite characters in that show. I yeah, I really, really liked good. him in this too. He just he just played this straight up. Like it it felt like this could have been like a cop movie from the eighties, and he would have fit in there. And he brought that same energy here. Uh, that was it was a lot of fun to see him on screen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. He he's someone I'd like to meet. Every time I see him on, I'm like, I want to meet this guy. He just seems really yeah, like someone I'd want to talk to, someone I'd want to you know share a beer with or something. Yeah, he seems like a guy I can really trust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan, would you like to give us your first impressions of the Batman? Sure. So I went and saw the Batman with a few buddies. I think uh, Jesse was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, Letney. Pascal Letney was there too. Yeah, Letney was there. A few other guys, I think, came along. And I knew that this was going to be a big movie, uh, just judging by the trailers and the hype. Leading up to it, Matt Reeves was directing it. That's reason enough for me to to go out to the theaters. And we were going to do the episode on it. So I was like, I got to I want to experience this. I don't want just like, you know, watch it on my phone or something. So we went. Did we see it in IMAX? No, no, it was just a normal theater. OK, it was just a normal theater. But it wasn't but the bad theater, right? It was the good theater. I think it was. A, yeah, I think it was a good one. It was like an AMC I think when, oh, when you're talking about bad theater, you're talking about the Green Knight Theater. And yes, I'm talking about the Green Knight Theater. Shit. Stop I, going there, guys. It was a bigger room. 
Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a bad experience. So I don't remember. Lenny did have another bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's just going to stop going. He's just going to straight up stop going if you guys go to that, that theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we went and saw it. And honestly, like, I've, it's been so long since I feel like I've been to theaters in general that it still felt, I think that's why I was thinking we went to IMAX is that it still, it still felt huge and the it music did, yeah. was so huge and the, everything about it was just like massive. I felt like I was shaking in my seat for so much of the movie. It was, I for, so first impressions of the actual movie, I absolutely loved the opening 30 minutes of this. I was like, this is the greatest Batman and possibly superhero movie I've ever seen. I was like 100% into it. Later on in the movie, I had some some things that like I struggled with or I, I, I didn't necessarily like. And that took me out of the movie a little bit. And so then I kind of left the theater feeling very divided. I, I wasn't sure if I loved it or if I just loved it with a a few like caveats or if I like those caveats were big enough that I shouldn't like it. I was very kind of, yeah, split and torn. And I felt like the conversation that I had with Jesse and Lutney after it, we were all kind of like, yeah, this was amazing. Like this was the best this we've ever seen. And then I also didn't like that, but I loved this (laughs) and this was amazing. And like we are, our praise was so high. And then we all were like, but this thing we didn't like. And like, it was so weird to have those two paired side by side. And, but then I, I just watched it for the second time now that it's on streaming and a most, I would say a lot of those nitpicks that I had went away. Actually, I, I saw kind of some of the themes that, that the movie was going for. I understood the themes a little bit better this time in, I understood uh, what they were trying to do with the Batman character and what I, a lot of the things I didn't like in uh, Robert Pattinson's character and in the Batman's character, I actually like totally dug the second time around. I would say a lot of those initial feelings of like not being sure went away. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited to talk about. I still have a couple things I, I want to talk about that I still take me out of it. But um, yeah, I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie. Um, what about you, uh, Jesse? Yeah, so first impressions in that theater that opening sequence just blew me away. Yeah. Like even, even just like the opening title, it's the Batman with the Ave Maria playing over it. Then there's like a murder that happened, a brutal serial killer murder that happens right afterwards. And then, and then that, that monologue, that diary entry with Batman, who gave me chills. That was incredible. Um, And then you see this, this broken pale, just, unhealthy looking Bruce Wayne. <laughs> like he's, he's just nuts. He's wearing sunglasses, eating blueberries like with Alfred. <laughs> and they have like, they've got, you know, a, a, the classic Alfred uh, Bruce relationship in a lot of ways, but there's a little more angst coming from Bruce's end. And, and it turns out that he actually taught him to fight in this one. I think. Alfred yeah. That's did. what they said. But, yeah. yeah. And that, that's so there was a cool mentor thing going on too. Uh, and you get a real sense of a father figure. And then it just turns into like, like it's like watching Zodiac. Like there is a serial killer out there and Batman's trying to figure out who this guy is. And this guy's crazy. He's got this, he's got the scary mask and he alters his voice and he keeps on picking people off. And you don't know who he's going to get. And then they, they dive into Gotham's underbelly. It's amazing. 
but that is, it's, it's a, an amazing detective story for the first hour and a half. And then I came to a point, you know, I, I've got, I've got these three, I, you know, I, I've got some things that really, I, I feel like the movie just took up like a hard turn and I couldn't follow it. And there were like at, at least three big times where that happened. And uh, there's a bunch of little ones too. I just, I'm, I'm not even going to get into those, but I think just focusing on what I love, the acting is amazing. Music's incredible. Cinematography is great. I've got some problems with the flow of the story at the, at the later like hour and a half. And my, my problems start, I think it's um, a conversation that Batman has with Gordon where kind of out of the blue, the Batman says, I am not, we just have to follow the Riddler's lead. Whatever he's doing is the best way to figure out who he is. And like, I'm sorry, like for the first hour and a half, I was following Batman's logic. He was like going to the underbelly. He was trying to, he went to the funeral because he thought the Riddler was going to be there and he was there, right? It would have been like, it seems like, it seems like he was starting to hone in who this guy was. And then he just drops it and says, I'm just going to blindly follow all of the Riddler's clues from now on. And that just seemed very undetective for me. That's like watching the Zodiac and suddenly they, they turn around and they say, you know what? To find the Zodiac killer, we are just going to print these clues in the newspaper every day and there's going to be no discussion because that's the best way to find the Zodiac. I just, it didn't make any sense to me. And it felt like the, enti- the the movie's tone shifted and Batman's not really detective. He's just kind of going with the flow. So that really bothered me. That That broke what I was loving so much in the first hour and a half. And then there, there were two more things that really bugged me. One is um, the scene where all the cops come out uh, to take down Falcone. And like, it seemed like most, like for two hours, I was watching movies where they're building up how corrupt Gotham was. It really felt like this was going to lead to a revolution throughout the city where everybody was going to rise up against these cops. And on the turn of a dime, they're all like out on the streets and basically good guys. And that, it, it made me think like, well, what, what was I watching the past like two hours? Like, why was it leading to that? I thought, I thought they specifically said like, these are the ones that aren't dirty. That's, that's what those cops were. That, yeah, that's what, that's what governor or uh, Gordon says. He says like, not all of them are corrupt. Yeah. And, and it did, it did jar me because I was like, we haven't seen that at all. I would have liked to have like a scene where Gordon kind of has his, like trusted cops, the yeah. ones he trusts. But and he the ones explicitly he says he doesn't trust any of them. So like, I don't yeah. know where these guys really came from. And I don't know why Gotham is suddenly not that corrupt where like a, a large chunk of the cops really aren't in on it. Yeah. It seems like we're really building towards the entire system is gone. It's wasted. Well, there, there's um, like, there's, it's not even like, I don't think that large of a chunk. Cause if we're, we're led to believe that Gotham is like a huge met, uh, metropolitan area, like, like Newark, New York city, um, mm-hmm. which employs, you know, hundreds of police officers. And uh, I think there's like six or seven cop cars that are out there. There's just a lot of lights. Oh, right? there's like, from my it's, recollection, it's really there are like hundreds many. of cops out there. There's not. No. It, no. It, it, you know, not, I'm not say it's, it's between, <laughs> it's between, it's somewhere between, I think, the two things. I, I think it was probably like 30 cops, 20, between 20 and 30. <sighs> I and, just I, and I could believe that 30 cops out of 500 cops are not corrupt. I could believe that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely believable. I, I guess I would have liked a, some sort of like, nod to it beforehand that like Gordon's like, Oh, but I know, I know that there are some good ones. Even just like one, one off line like that would have been like, Oh, well, Gordon knows the good ones up to that point. It seemed like Gordon and everyone was just like, everybody's in the pocket of Falcone. 
Yeah, but then the cops start functioning as if they're not, and then and then they're basically good guys from this point out. I, I still think there are hundreds. We can settle that with a picture in the comments later on because <laughs> uh, that's the easy thing to fact check. And then the third thing, the third thing that just took me out, is like the Riddler's plan and the shift that it takes. Like at first it's very calculated. Like he's, he's killing these, like he's killing these top dogs and he's exposing the truth to the city. Um, and that culminates when he, when he uh, shows the reporter was probably killed was killed in, in his words by by the Waynes, right? By the Waynes to defend the Arkhams, and, and it, it also seems like his plan is going to lead to a revolution. It really feels like it's culminating in something huge, but that part of the plan doesn't really do that. Uh, instead, like the the truth of the, the of the underbelly of the city is exposed by Catwoman, completely kind of unrelated to the Riddler, and all he wants to do is kill Falco in like this really contrived scenario where there's a riddle that says, bring him into the light now, reveal myself, where it's like the light post outside of his apartment that's across the street, where I guess he probably could have shot him almost at any point. But I guess that was there to really bring Batman on his side, and I don't really know how that was supposed to work. And then... I mean, I mean, he is a crazy person. Yes, he's... Yeah, I guess that's what it is. I was expecting this, uh, this guy to not be crazy, to actually have like a coherent, smart plan, Instead, he wants to reveal the truth to all the city and then flood them all and kill them. That's what it seemed like it comes down to. And that seemed to be more kind of classic supervillain-ish in some ways. Like, oh, let's flood all of Gotham rather than like the serial killer that I was really into at the beginning. So that's where the movie took some hard turns for me. But besides that, like those were big, big caveats for me. But besides that, I really dig this movie. I do. Like every scene is captivating. Uh, I'm, I still want to watch it. It's a three hour movie. I don't really like three hour movies, but I liked I liked most of the way this movie looked and feels and and the acting. I like everything about it. It just the story just kind of irks me. It, it sounds like the thing that bugged you the most is that it is actually a comic book movie and it's not Zodiac. Yeah, it's something that presents itself as not distinctly not a cop comic book movie distinctly not a superhero movie instead it's it is that it's actually um it's it's funny you put it that way i i uh it's definitely a comic book movie and i say that because i i um i i read i i love reading batman comics as and anyone who listened to our batman series knows um is my favorite fictional character of all time um i'm always reading batman in some way or form for some from some artist's take or something so this presentation of batman is isn't really that far away um, from a lot of modern Batman. So when I walked into it, I didn't have expectations that it wouldn't be that, right? Like I, I didn't expect that it would be, for instance, like Christopher Nolan. And like we've talked in those movies about how they are actually pretty comic booky when you get down to it. They just have this this veneer of, of not being that way. And this movie um, doesn't have too much of that veneer. Like it's it's soaked in the atmosphere of like it's more Burton than Nolan in its atmosphere, but it's more Nolan than Schumacher when it comes to you know action scenes. And like it's it's taking everything that's come before it and kind of piecing it together with just a much more decidedly dark bend. And I, and that's actually what I really love about it. I love that they made a serious comic book movie because when I when I watched The Dark Knight, oh, when I watched The Dark Knight, not this past rewatch and listen back in that episode for for some of my thoughts on it. I'd always sort of not really envisioned it as a comic book movie, but 
Only this last time, I, I definitely did. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, no, it is. Yep. And same thing, like Batman Begins is even more comic booky than I'd ever remembered it being. This is just doing it in a different way. And that that's what I came away from the movie with. And I really appreciated that. It made me really happy that it was that way. Um, I, I loved this movie to pieces. It has problems for sure. I did not have any of the same problems that you had. I had different ones. Mm -hmm. But this is a just to, 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 to agree with you real quick. I saw this in IMAX. I saw it with Mike. Uh, we had both gotten kind of kicked in the nads by our work that day. Both of us had been expecting something that we've been working towards for a long time and, and neither of us got it. And it was kind of refused to us in kind of nefarious ways, ways that we felt we were really cheated by. And so we were pretty mad, bad days at work. And now we were looking forward to something together and we got to go see the Batman and IMAX. And, and it was, it was fantastic. My, my hands were sweaty. My knees were weak. I threw up multiple times, mom spaghetti on my sweatshirt. Like <laughs> it was <laughs> crazy. And I was so happy to be there with a good friend of mine, seeing this movie I've been looking forward to for, for years. And it was everything I wanted it to be. It was, it, they finally made another good solo Batman movie and that honored the character and pushed him in new directions. Yeah, it, it really thrilled me. It's it's now my my favorite live action Batman thing. Yeah, that's that's just, I'm gonna put it there. This I, I watched I watched it again on HBO Max. I thought it moved faster the second time. I was like, wow, this movie's really moving. Like, holy shit. <laughs> I can't believe I thought it was too slow. No, but I think I, I had three problems. Uh number one, it is too long. It's just too long. Not by much. I'd say maybe 10 minutes, honestly. Um I really wouldn't cut that much because I love the atmosphere, I love the movement of the movie. I like that it's deliberate in its pacing, um, but I get yeah, 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And I think a lot of that could have come from another problem I had with the movie is, is a, a terrible scene, a downright awful scene that happens near the end there. Um, spoilers for the ending of the Batman, one of the final things, but it's been going around on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere, but here it is. Spoilers fast forward a few minutes or whatever. I already spoiled uh, it. So it's, it's, did you didn't say the Joker? Did you? No, but I spoiled like on the light pole scene, which is like a pivotal moment in the movie. Oh, but I mean, yeah, but okay. So the Joker's in this movie uh, very quickly. He and the Riddler have uh, uh, what could only be described as a cringe encounter in Arkham. Um, <laughs> the second time, dude, I was like, I was, I was curling up in my seat. I couldn't believe this was in this movie. It doesn't feel like it belongs here in any way. Yeah. Uh, it's awful. It's terrible. And the fact that now this is in this movie that I like so much that I'm, I will rewatch so many times that I'm going to have to vault. I'm going to have to skip this scene every single time <laughs> instead of them just putting it in the end credits. Like, thank you, Marvel, for putting the worst part of the movie in the credits. That way you never have to watch it again. <laughs> did, Learn did something, you, DC. Did you see the like five minute scene that they released? I did. The I didn't think that was very good either. I, I don't think the Joker needs to be here. Right. Yeah. No, I, I didn't think it was good. I thought that it at least made sense to like, like a tiny bit more sense that they it had did. that scene of introducing him in a teasing way. It's, it, it's actually so much more confusing, though, because that means that Batman's already taken him down in his mm -hmm. first year. And then that means that the Joker already knows him like super well. And the way the scene plays out where he's like, but you didn't come in here because you wanted to blah, blah. You came in here because you were like this. He, 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 he. Didn't you know that? I know you so well, Batman. Ah! <laughs> I was like, yeah. off with this shit. Come on. If you're oh, going to do something new, do yeah, something new. I, I hate this. I'm just going to say I do not like this Joker already. 
like this laugh is annoying. It's really obnoxious. I, I can't yeah. I can't take it, and he's doing it a lot. And then in the five minute like bonus scene, it does like close ups on his on his scalp, and his scalp is all like scarred and just on. I do kind of dig that though. I dig that he's like <laughs> he's like a gnarled Joker, and I like that he's kind of younger. A young Joker's not is not happen very often. I it's think still, that's interesting. In the TV show. Um, what's the, sh- oh, the show? Gotham. Yeah. Gotham. Isn't that a really young, like almost like mm-hmm. early, like young adult Joker. That is, that is the one piece of Batman content that, and then the, uh, the TV show Pennyworth. I have not, um, in- watched these. Okay. Mainly because yeah. of a lack of Batman. It's generally why I'm here for Batman. I not Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> Gotham sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, but then, so that scene, I, I really have a trouble with. I have trouble with the way those two interact. Uh, it doesn't make, it, it pushes what I thought was a really interesting villain in the Riddler, who's like this weird incel kind of QAnon person um, who likes making bombs in his backyards and, and talking to his 500 followers on Reddit. And it pushes him into this uncomfortable light of comic villain superstardom that I, I, I don't think that character really made that jump in this movie comfortably. And then the third problem I had is I think that this screenplay is incredibly overwritten. Every character says the same thing like three times every sentence. They just keep saying it in different ways. And the moment I realized that, it became incredibly obnoxious to me because everyone (laughs) except Robert Pattinson does it. Um, And that's because Robert Pattinson doesn't talk a lot. Everyone else, though, is always – they they say the one, you know, we need to get to the the cities. We need to get to the heart of the villain, you know – the soul of him, that which makes him tick. I'm like, yes, those are synonyms. Yes, one, <laughs> two, three, we get it. Okay, next, next idea. And instead of simply stating something, moving on, there was this idea that that someone needed to act more, have more lines. And there's too many lines here already. Uh, there's too much talking without a lot being said. Because I think at the at the core of the movie, the mystery behind who the Rada Alada is and the mystery behind the killer and his motivations are are not actually as labyrinthine as the movie thinks it is. And I think the movie is, do, is doing a lot of work, I think effectively, to bury that lead, you know, make right. it seem confusing when it's not. Or, or Ooh, make, okay. make it seem clever, right? Yes. Like there's something yeah. clever going on and they just have to figure it out. And then, yeah, that, that was one thing that we did talk about right after the movie was like, this riddle or that riddle <laughs> didn't actually make much sense if you think about the real plan like yeah they're you know they're trying to discover the yeah the el rada lada thing it was like they thought it was four different things none of them were right we don't even know which one was right or if all of them were right well no it- no it's just it's just the falcon the falcon is the rat with wings falcone is the rat and for that to be the solution to the riddle is like what I've yeah. never heard someone describe a bird of prey as a rat with wings. I, no one would talk like that. Like that doesn't, right. you can't even reach that logically. <laughs> what also, are you talking about? What a dumb clue when there's the penguin <laughs> out there. And like, the yeah. Batman. And it the made Batman. sense to say the Batman is the rat. The Batman's a rat with wings. And the penguin yeah. was totally right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My word. Yeah. Uh, actually, this this may actually get to the heart of, of something uh, of why I I don't absolutely adore this movie, I feel like this movie is it's very stylized and stylistic. Like it's got amazing style. Like the world that it builds here, it, it's really cool. But when I'm when I'm watching movies, I don't go for movies with with 
pure style. I'm looking for for a lot of consistency that I feel like this this lacks. This using style almost to distract from the fact that some things don't really make sense sometimes, and that that is a legitimate tactic. But that maybe that just doesn't work as well with me. Like I did show this movie to to my wife, and I knew she loved movies with like style, so she loved this movie. <laughs> she really dug it. And like it's funny, we're talking afterwards, and I was telling her all the things that bothered me. She's just like. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it just didn't even see that. Like that makes that makes yeah. sense. I'm glad you enjoyed the movie, but like, yeah, maybe maybe it's effect. Like I, I had talked before, like how Nolan is like the master of misdirection because of what he how he structures his plot basically. But this is like how it's stylized causes you to forget that. Uh, it, it's almost like it convolutes things a little bit, so that way you think you are El Rata. El Rata is like a good clue, <laughs> you well, know, and it yeah. does fool. It does work. You, you do. That's think the worst that. Spanish I ever heard. <laughs> El Rata, <laughs> la. <laughs> it's la. <laughs> uh, um, I love that scene. That seems great. Yeah. As yeah. long as we're pointing out things that like stood out to us for, for little critiques and things, there was um, one little thing that, and I don't know why this bothered me so much. It shouldn't, it really shouldn't. But the scene of, um, I, I forget his name now, the guy with the thing attached to his head that's about to explode. Peter um, Sarsgaard. Yeah, Sarsgaard. He, uh, yeah, the DA or whatever. Yeah, The DA. Colson, Colson, right? Yep, that was it. Um, so when he like, you know, comes in in the car, uh, destroys the whole funeral and everything, and Batman's like helping him solve the riddles. Um, it's a great scene, like amazing scene. I love it the very final part of that scene where he has like the, the, the bomb is ticking down and the Batman's like, tell me, you know, tell us who the rat is. Tell us, you know, uh, like expose the rat. And he's like, it, you know, if I don't, I die. If I expose it, everybody I love dies. And it's, it was kind of like a weird, like, Oh my gosh, this is way more terrifying. Like that somebody would be willing to just let their head explode rather than expose. This was like, wow, this is, it was a great scene. But then the fact that Batman never even moved, like he didn't even look away from the bomb. <laughs> he is right there. Like his head is like 12 inches from the bomb yeah. when it goes off. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know enough about bombs. Maybe it's some sort of like incendiary bomb that doesn't no, the, have a he, big no, like he, he blast. Yeah, he should yeah, be dead. I, I, just I mean, like, like, like look, even even if the rest of his body is protected, the lower half of his head is not. <laughs> <You Right. know? laughs> yeah, he should lose his jaw at least. Yeah, yeah things I, like that I, just I, annoyed me, and I was like, it's such a little thing. All you have to show is him, like, at the final turning. second, just turn away. That's all I ask, and it seems like such a cl- obvious thing as a creative decision. Yeah, make him turn away. Make him like dive for some cover at the final second yeah. and they just didn't, he's just standing there and I'm like, he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. And he's not. And I, that's, that annoys me. And I don't, I don't know why it annoys me so much other than that. It just feels like lazy or, and yeah. the rest, like nothing else in that scene is lazy. Everything else in that scene yeah. is amazing. And that's what annoys me about it. Maybe is because it's like the contrast of being so well-made and so well-crafted. And then it's just like, but then just this one little thing, just, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, from that moment on, I start, like, every couple minutes, I'm finding something like that. And it's like, ah, 
you know, I, I think if I hadn't had the bigger problems that I that I had said, I don't even think that would really bother me that much. But yeah, I think the what you're pointing out is like he, we we both did really really like the movie, like amazingly. I was like, man, this is a five star movie right now uh, at the beginning, and then to to see it slip away a little bit, it's like ah, it could have been perfect. You could have been. Right. It was like perfection was right in your grasp. That's how it felt. And then like you get a little bitter because you're like, you had it. You had this was gonna be the perfect movie for me, the perfect superhero yeah. movie. And then like, yeah, I think that's what that's almost what made me conflicted was the fact that perfection felt so close to yeah. to, to being grasped. And then like the few things that just annoyed me. And, and maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being too critical. I don't know. I yeah, I definitely I don't, sen- I don't think so. Yeah. I definitely sense myself becoming like a little too bitter about it because it's just like, wait, I'm enjoying this less than a Marvel movie, and I know this is objectively better. <laughs> There's no reason why this oh. should be happening, except for the fact that I think this movie could have been perfect and I didn't see that. I, I didn't see oh, I, I enjoyed this bottom. infinitely more than than any Marvel movie. I, I guess the, the first time. The second time I did enjoy it more than a Marvel movie. Yeah. I, I did, and I, I I bumped it up like half a star. How generous. Uh, I, I know, I know. <laughs> we, we, so all, we, we all have uh, uh, issues with it, and I, I don't think that these issues are coming down to nitpicks. I think that they are true kind of confusions regarding the, the delivery of this movie. And I, and I for those people who are out there who are like, it's just, it's just a comic book movie, like, what do you care? Well, we care. I mean, it's a, it's a movie. It's a movie. We care. I'm not. I'm not grading things on a lesser or greater scale because of the genre they're in. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it a movie? I, just, I love how so that's you were talking about it. I love how there was a comment that didn't come up from us. You just no your audience. No, I'm, I'm accusing <laughs> the audience of it because I want to sit here in judgment because I started a weekly show with my buddies to talk about these movies. And I'm getting in front of that before I hear that shit because I don't want to hear. it. So those are our first impressions of the movie. Uh, before we get into favorite scenes, I'd just like to ask, in in place of what we'd usually have here is would we show this to our kids, which I think we should do later in the show, I do want to ask if there are still people out there who surprisingly haven't seen the movie, uh, would you guys recommend this? I, I would recommend this to just about every, anyone I see. I think this is a really good movie, even despite any issues I have with it. Do, do you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. Like... I think I've told you guys before, like three and a half is my cutoff where I say I will recommend this movie to people, but with big fat caveats. So I'll tell you my big fat caveats. I don't think the script works or the story is working like an hour and after an hour and a half in. But before that, I, yeah, still see it. It's still, it's still good. Yeah. And I think I just recommend it based on, yeah, all the reasons we get, we've given. I don't even, I don't know that I give any caveats because I, I don't know how much those like you said that your wife jesse really loved it and like those those critiques didn't even affect her because she loves style she loves yeah beautiful cinematography so and, like and she loves like dark serial killer stories <laughs> <laughs> so this like this spoke to her she was like this is barely a superhero movie this is great she hates superhero movies at this point yeah so i i, I don't know that i would even uh, preface my recommendation. I'd just be like, mm. go see it, and then we can talk about it. And maybe, you know, maybe we have similar critiques. Maybe they see things I didn't, and maybe they appreciate things I didn't. So, I mean, now that it's on HBO Max, absolutely go see this movie. It's yeah, it's not that hard. I and I would I would even go further to say like, if you miss this, I actually think you're missing out. Um, yes, I think you're missing out on something that that's really special that you haven't seen before. 
Oh, um, quick, quickly. Uh, I gave a rating of three and a half stars. What do you guys give this movie? Solid four. Yeah, I was, I was four. I, I think after my first viewing, I was more around three and a half. Second viewing bumped it up to four. And I, honestly, like the more times I watch it, the the things I didn't like on my first watch round were much, a lot of them I didn't mind the second time around. So it's, this might go up in my estimation over time, especially the more Marvel movies we get. I'm probably going to be like, man, I just wish I was watching the Batman. Yeah, you want to take you back to Gotham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that world. So, yeah, we, I we're, actually we're got actually, it down from four and a half. Oh, so we're all basically on the same point. Like, we're within half a star away. That's kind of it cool. just sounds like it just sounds like the issues that we have. We all like the same things, but the issues we have are different, which is interesting. But maybe we can come back to our issues. I mean, we all like this, right, Jesse? We all like the same things. We're all talking about how the cinematography is great and the acting. Yeah, and the cinematography, like, acting, yeah. yeah. Action, it, it, action's great, and the action and the the music, music, yeah, fantastic, and yeah. just like art style, yes, it's just yeah, like this Gotham is, it's it's a pleasure to look at and see this weird world, and it's not like it's not as cartoony as Tim Burton's. Instead, it feels like a, and it's not as like real of a place as Christian Bale's felt. It felt like this interesting blend of like this crazy cast of characters you're like i like uh at the beginning you're you know what i'll I'll talk about it a little bit later so moving over into favorite scenes i gotta say uh, i had a really hard time with this because i like a lot i like a lot of these scenes i think a lot of these scenes are really really special and and really unique to see in a movie like this and i think that they're 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 seen in a different way but i think my favorite one is the end by by the end i mean um i could mean the whole scene right from where the Riddler reveals his plan. Um, actually, I'm just gonna talk about the whole thing. So I think that that, like, <laughs> that that was so killer for me. It was so cool in the theater for, you know, Batman to unveil the plan underneath the carpet. And it's with the carpet stuffer that we saw the first murder happen with. And you're like, oh, shit. So it was important the whole time. Awesome. OK. And when he gets the carpet and you see the plan and then you see the the narration happening. Right. And you see the vans blowing up and. I, I honestly thought, because I've been conditioned this way by movies, that that's how you shoot a sequence before you reveal that uh, that none of that happened, right? And then for the movie to be like, anyway, so all that's happening. The city's flooding. The plan worked. Batman did not stop them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, so this is much worse than I thought. And I got so excited <laughs> and so elated because in the first movie, the first movie of this planned Batman trilogy, you're going to flood Gotham. That's the the first one Batman loses. That's so cool. Like, this is like a third movie thing. Like, we saw this in The Dark Knight Rises. And The Dark Knight Rises, you just did that first? What? Do, what I don't even know what to... So in the theater, I'm just like spinning around on my top. And even still at uh, at home on my couch, I was still so in, in shock and awe at that. I loved it. The, 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 the sequence where we see the gunmen who are up in the rafters, first of all, made me almost physically like ill like i didn't almost throw up but i I felt a twinge of nausea and an actual genuine fear because we live in these these terrible times where mass shootings they're not as common as they once were mostly due to the the pandemic shutting most things down but prior pandemic and even still today we're still getting mass shootings that this is a scary world we live in i've been through mass shooter training many times for many different jobs i've gone to this is a real possibility if you live here on earth in america and to see it being carried out with such cold precision 
was chilling. It was like deeply chilling. And the moment when Batman blows the roof, like I almost like I almost cheered in the theater. I was like, that's right, because this is about superheroes. I'm not going to have to sit here and watch innocent people get slaughtered. There's someone that can fucking stop it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was just I was losing my mind and I loved it. And um, there, it, just the sequence where he cuts the, the electrical cord, drops in the water, and he pops the flare and is leading people out across the Red Sea like like a caped Moses. And then in the end where the mud spattered Batman is talking about how he's actually learned something and he's changed as a person and a hero while he's helping a wounded person into a helicopter in the daytime. Like I'd never seen that. Never mm-hmm. seen that. And, and if the movie had just, had just ended there or if it had gone right to him and Catwoman parting ways beautifully on their motorcycles, like I would have said, I would have said five stars and I would be like, you know what? I got problems. I don't give a shit. Five stars. And it's literally the fact that there's that Joker scene in between those two that it just, it, it, it ruins that whole flow because you, you, they had me in this del- delirious state of excitement and, and new discovery and it was taken away, but that's still my favorite scene, right? Just, it's, oh, it's so yeah. good. It's something yeah. I've never seen. My my word, yeah. It should have ended with the sun in the background, with him, with with her, like grabbing grabbing Batman. That's how the that's how it should have ended, like solidly. Because the the Catwoman, both the Joker scene, and then there's like two goodbye to Catwoman scenes that happen right afterwards. Like you're talking about the the, the screenplay being overwritten. It happens twice. <laughs> like yeah. at first they they talk about it, they say goodbye, they physically go separate ways. Then suddenly there are motorcycles also going separate ways. Why yeah. do we have to do that? Like just, I love, it, I love that the, second the, one. I don't like the first one. I do like the second one. I like, I like that Batman's watching her in the rear view because he's still like, he's still kind of a kid, you know. Yeah, and that's something a kid would do, right? Mm. And like they, they really just <sighs> should have kept one. Or if they had had like the parting talk, a talk over while the yeah, while yeah, the, the voiceover are, narration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's worked. what it should have been. I, yeah. I, yeah, that yeah. the return of the King syndrome that started happening, right? There's really started annoying me. It's just like, just end the movie now. <laughs> You've gone on three hours. There was a, a poll I saw just the other day. Uh, it was some Reddit channel for movies. And it was, if you had to pick between a really, really good beginning to a movie or a really, really good ending to a movie, which would you choose? And it was like 80, 85% for a good ending mm-hmm. and and i felt like for this movie i i totally agree with you that i think they could have if they had ended it on, as good as they had started it this movie would have e- easily gone up half a star maybe a full star for me yeah the, the whole sequence where where he learns vengeance is not the way to go because vengeance is was is what put is putting those guys on the rafters shooting people down below to learn that that was not not the way to go it was a really cool thing for batman I was really excited by that. It did leave me kind of puzzled, though. What What is Batman going to be from now on? There's so much character growth that he underwent in this first movie. Like, it really felt like a trilogy of movies in a movie. And it makes me kind of excited for what else they're going to come up with to do for him. Because, you know, he's still got this trauma, but the rage is gone, you know? And the whole movie was about the rage, right? And and he was able to resolve it. And I thought that was that was that was actually brilliant writing. Um, was to do that was to just not only they did something really brave they gave batman uh, a classic issue and then they let him deal with it and then he fixed it and then he was like man i learned some shit along the way i've never seen batman learn something 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, that, it's, that's, that's what struck me. And maybe we'll talk about this more about when we get into the themes of it. But I, one of my things I didn't like on my first viewing that actually liked a lot on my second viewing was this like this broken Batman that we watch. He's broken. He's kind of immature. He's like speaking very poorly he's, to Alfred. He's like, he's, he's stunted, you know, he's like emotionally stunted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's almost, he's like immature. He's, he's an immature. He seems like a teenager. Yeah. He yeah. acts like a teenager in a lot of ways towards like towards Alfred, towards, you know, his alter ego of Bruce Wayne. Like he, he just seems like he's not dealing with his problems and he's not, he doesn't have any nuance in his mission as Batman. He's just like, I have to go and beat up bad guys. That's how I'm going to save Gotham. It's a very like one, you know, one note type of mission. And, and the Batman that I'm used to is, has more nuance is like, he understands that he needs to be, you know, charismatic as Bruce Wayne and then needs to be, you know, kind of more dark and serious as Batman. He knows that he needs to save people and, you know, stop the bad guys, right? He understands kind of this, like, I need to be for the people. I need to be saving, you know, the love of my life or saving, you know, uh, Harvey Dent or whoever. Like, or beating down gods. Yeah, like, like beating down the bad guy, of course, but only, only because it saves somebody. Do you bleed? Um, <laughs> yeah, because like this is this is I like that it's called the Batman to your point, because that that's the only character, right? There is really no Bruce Wayne. Um, it's just the Batman. And and so usually we're used to a Batman that has an, an alter ego, right? Mm-hmm. And either their movie does the alter ego of Batman is Bruce Wayne or the alter ego of Bruce Wayne is Batman. You know, we've seen it both ways. This is one where it's like, this guy, his name is, first name is the, and his last name is Batman. And people keep calling him Bruce Wayne for some reason. He doesn't, he's not sure why. <laughs> and that, that was really cool. Um, is, yeah. is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. That he's, he's one dimensional. He's just vengeance. And that we see that growth into more of a conventional, uh, that's not even saying it. It's it. He grows into a more nuanced and, you know, more have a, a superhero with broader horizons, a broader idea of what it means to save Gotham. And I, I thought that was yeah, a really cool, you know, development character development mm-hmm. to have in a, a movie like this. I also love how the one dimensionality shows up in the Batman's fighting style, which is to punch people really punch hard people. a really, lot. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> two times too many. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's doing at all times. He's just sitting there punching the shit out of everybody in front of him. And it was funny, like going in, I thought this would be like more of a, a, you know, a secretive Batman, a Batman who would think his way out of any situation based off of like what I'd seen of the Bruce Wayne. He was like pale and smaller. So it's no, he's just going to punch his way through. Um, that is, that is his mode. So I, I yeah. also wonder what that what that fighting style can evolve to in future movies because he can't he just, change he, that. He just like straight up doesn't care if someone hits him. Like he'll look over and that punch is coming right for him. And he's like, all right, I guess I'm just getting hit. And he's like, all right, <laughs> yeah. good. My turn to hit. <laughs> yeah. He, even his uh, his way of moving about, it's kind of like, you know, it's not he, he's not trying to hide in the shadows, even though that he has that line like I am the shadows, which is totally badass. Um, he, he's like, 
he doesn't really hide in the shadows. He kind of just walks up to the bad guy. He just walks up to them and then hits them. He walks up to him or he walks up to the club and just knocks on the door. Like I saw a lot of people being like, that's not Batman. He would never just go up and knock on the door. And it's like, but that's the Batman that we're starting the movie with. Like that's the kind of the point of the movie is we're dealing with a Batman that doesn't, he's kind of a bad Batman. He doesn't know how to be Batman. He's trying to become well, Batman. I, I just think he doesn't care about dying. I think that's why he doesn't care about yeah, people but, hitting but, him. But, and, but he is he is a bad Batman, right? Like he he's not like what I'm used to seeing, like the Kevin Conroy Batman, right? Where he'd always, the, the animated series, like he'd always find a way in through a window or he'd get some piece of technology that would unlock the thing. Like the, the, the genius level IQ of Batman that we're used to seeing or like Christian Bale's Batman who would find some way of like getting in as Bruce Wayne and then turning into Batman or he'd like, I don't know, get a sky hook and come through the, the wall or I don't know, like yeah, some crazy right. Batman-y thing. And this Batman is just like, how I do things is I just walk kind of in a straight line <laughs> and then if there's a problem, I'll just hit it until it goes away. I, I'll well, hit it and I'll make a big deal about it because I want everybody to fear me. And that's that's what he does later on in the movie, right? He knocks on the door as Bruce Wayne. He gets in there and then he changes into the Batman. So it's like, and I love that, like the three times he goes up yeah. and knocks on the door. Like that, you could kind of see that as a transition for him realizing I need to be more clever and be more, you know, stealthy. And yeah. Oh, that's cool. I do like that. I hadn't realized that that evolution before. But yeah, it's definitely there. Batman, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne turning into Batman. Yeah. Um, Jesse, uh, since we started this a long time ago, and we are very yeah. off the back, although we are talking about some themes and stuff that we did want to talk about. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite scene, Jesse? The first 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> like, the first 20 minutes, I, I guess it's really two scenes, really. It's the it's the Riddler doing a serial killing the, this whole movie opens up like seeing everything through his eyes and you don't know it's it's him yet. You're kind of wondering like maybe it's Batman who's looking in on this family, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see the mayor like having a you know a phone call about how things are basically should be rigged in his favor and why are things going wrong, uh, you know. And then the Riddler's standing behind him and then there's just a brutal killing scene. It's like, oh, this is the sort of Batman movie we're seeing. This is... This is real dark. <laughs> and I am in. I want to know where this goes. And then it transitions to Gotham. The streets of Gotham on October 31st. With that with that voiceover from uh, Bruce Wayne's journal. Because he journals. Has to journal every night, I guess. Um, which, which kind of makes sense. He's, I think it's called the... Is it called the Gotham Project? I think you see it later. But yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, it's not like my diary. It's like it's like him <laughs> as an experiment. Dear diary, the streets <laughs> run red with blood. <laughs> Again. Uh, that is almost <laughs> that's almost how it works here. And then he starts talking about how he is the shadows and his, his purpose in Gotham is to be a source of fear for all criminals and he sees some people, some criminals abandoning their endeavors because they see shadows and they think Batman is there. And there's this one group who actually does see Batman. He just comes and beats him to a pulp by punching them repeatedly. Except for the one guy uh, who is half of Joker's gang, I guess, because he's like got half the clown paint on him and he just runs away. And then even the guy that Batman saved is scared of him, saying, don't hurt me. Like that is Batman's legacy. Everybody's so terrified of this individual. Um, 
Yeah, and then it switches to him being a detective. So you're getting just like this huge swath. It's it's a brilliant opening. It's a great intro showing you this. This is our villain. This is Gotham. This is who Batman is and everything he's capable of. It, it's really great. Um, yeah, I love this introduction. That that fight is 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 really great. It's it's a great example of, I think, really good. You know, since you guys know me, I love choreography. Um, it's a great example of good choreography that doesn't need um, really flashy camera tricks. It doesn't need uh, too much editing. It doesn't need. It doesn't even need martial arts whatsoever. Um, it's not really even like a discernible fighting style. Really, it's it's like bare knuckle brawling, and it's thrilling and kinetic and mm-hmm. crunchy. You know. Yeah in like a really kind of upsetting way. And that's what I really like that about this movie is that it, it's, it's kind of able to stand out in, in a really crowded landscape of superhero movies with lots of fights where we're not getting a ton of CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just a fight. It's just a fight. And it's not like a fight, like in olden days where, you know, the, the, the cowboys would come in and they'd swing and swing and swing. And then one guy would fall. Like it, there is movement. There is, it, there is a dance feel to it, but it's just a really gritty rough dance. Um, and I, I, there's not a lot of things like it. You know, the the Dark Knight trilogy, while it had some really good action scenes in it, also had some pretty incomprehensible action scenes. That it's really hard to tell what's happening. Most of them and, are. Most of them. And are, yeah. yeah. And this movie really wants you to see. It really wants you to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I love that about it. And I love that it the Batman series continues to be kind of unique in the way it presents its fighting. Um, every movie seems to be doing it a little bit differently than the last. Um, like the last really big Batman fight that we saw, you know, Batman versus a bunch of thugs was the warehouse fight in Batman v Superman. Right. And that's like a crazy, like raid style fight with a bunch of gadgets and shit. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Um, but this is just something so unique and, and so, so much by itself. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Dan? Whoa. Wait, did you ever talk about your favorite scene? I didn't. Um, okay. I, I was going to save the opening 15 minutes. Um, so <laughs> okay. you stole that, but I, I will, saw all 15 minutes of it too. I saw all of it. I took two scenes. <laughs> yeah. I was going to cut you off at five and be like, I get the other 10, but <laughs> um, I will say I, I actually really dug all the scenes with the penguin. Mm. Um, Colin I Farrell think, is so good. Yeah. He's he, he like, I didn't know it was Colin Farrell at all. It was actually Lutney that pointed it out at the end of the, at, like we, we left the theater and he's like, I couldn't tell Like, I could barely tell that was Colin Farrell. And I was like, wait, Colin Farrell was in this movie. <laughs> I <laughs> had no clue that was him. Yeah. I just thought it was this, this new guy with a little bit of, you know, makeup and prosthetics and it's Colin Farrell. It blew me away. Um, I really dug all of his, all the scenes with him. He's kind of that, like he, he reminded me a lot of kind of the gangster movies that we've been watching with Scorsese yeah. gangsters. Like he's got, the kind of the accent and the attitude. He does not fear the Batman at all. He's just kind of like, he just is a gangster. And he's like, I, I love that about him that he felt very real. Um, right. He, he was very, he was far from the, you know, the penguin of uh, what is it? Uh, is it Batman and Robin? Danny or? DeVito. Yeah. Danny yeah. DeVito. Batman forever. No, no, it's Batman returns. Batman returns. Batman returns. About? Yeah. Like a, a far, step from there and, and you know it's it really grounded the movie again kind of we've been talking about that how this movie felt very real it felt grounded in a real world and his portrayal of the penguin again made me feel like this guy could just be straight out of a 
straight out of the Martin Scorsese movie. Um, in fact, I think I think my new dream project would be Martin Scorsese's Penguin. <laughs> I, I'd I'd see it. Oh yeah, yeah. my favorite. My like besides for the I Am Vengeance line reading, which is like an all timer um, Batman thing that needs to go down in history forever, right? My other favorite line from this movie is when Penguin during the car car rate car um, chase sequence, which is a fantastic chase sequence. Like holy shit! Yeah. Um, when he 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 gets that truck to flip over and you see the big flame explosion, he looks in the mirror. I got you! I got you! <laughs> I love that so much. Uh-huh. And he's and that's where that's like the moment I actually saw the Colin Farrell come out. That looked like Colin Farrell to me. Um, but he's just playing it with so much joy. And then like the fear in his eyes when you see the Batman come out with his Batmobile like like a like a bat out of hell, wreathed in flames. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And then the upside down scene when he's like yeah. looking, oh my gosh, like that entire car chase, every, every scene from that could be its own like wallpaper background on my computer. It's just so amazing. Um, I mean, that kind of goes for most of the movie, but especially this car, car chase scene. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was great. Actually, it was funny this second time watching it. I did. It, I did notice the absence of the F word in that scene. I was like, I was like, he would have been dropping F bombs right here. Like he, <laughs> he'd be like, I got the, um, but he didn't, he's like, I, he actually says like freaking at one point. And I'm like, no, not at all. Like I know we're going for PG 13 here, but it's the know. freaking bat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this movie should have been rated R. Yeah. There, there's agree. a lot of moments where they really, I don't know what they were gaining by not, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, money, but <laughs> I guess just, money. I guess. <laughs> um, okay. Let's, uh, let, let's go over here into, into a few questions. I mean, we've been, we've been kind of double dipping as we usually do because um, we, we are as organized as a herd of cats, but uh, that's as much my fault as literally anyone. Actually, it's more my fault than anyone else's. Um, but Jesse, you wanted to talk a little bit about some themes here. We've already touched on a few, but do you have some more you wanted to bring up? So, guys, I think there are some seminal moments in this movie <laughs> that we have to that we have to be talking about here. Um, so, there, there there are themes everywhere here. This movie is big. It's it's squirting out themes left and right. What can I say? <laughs> what is so, wrong with you? <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I I don't know. In fact, there there's so much going on. I don't I don't think we have time to literally talk about all of it. Uh, but maybe like let, let's isolate some some main things. That there's I I'm kind of confused about this movie on a thematic level. Uh, maybe I don't fully understand like what it's all what it's all doing. But there, the fatherhood thing is a is a big thing, right? Like uh, the Riddler and and Bruce Wayne are both orphans and there's that whole part at, at the middle where he doubts about his, whether his father was a good person and then quickly realizes that maybe his father is just a complicated person from his new father figure, Alfred. I don't know. There's something about fatherhood here. Like uh, what do you guys think about that? What is that doing in this movie? And what, like what's it, what's all adding to Batman's character and change at the end? Cause it does seem to be contributing to that too. Yeah. I, as far as the fatherhood thing, I definitely saw a lot of parallelisms it was trying to draw between Batman and the Riddler that they're both orphans. 
um, like the Riddler is trying to partner with the Batman. He sees himself as, you know, another iteration or maybe a more radicalized Batman. And Batman's like, no, you're, you're a psycho and I'm trying to do something good. And, um, and that's, that's why I love, we already mentioned it, but that, that opening fight scene where at the end of it, the guy he was saving is also, you know, fearful of the Batman where it's, you're like, wait, but Batman's supposed to be, you know, you're, uh, he's supposed to be saving people. They're supposed to run and hug him at the mm-hmm. end of the fight. And they don't, they, they fear him as well. And then, you know, the, obviously that final fight with the, all these, you know, followers of the Riddler. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys says, I am vengeance, right. Where like, he's literally identifying with Batman. And um, so Batman, there, there's these parallels drawn between them and the fact that they both are orphans and feel um, alienated by that, the fact that they don't have, you know, like he clearly does, the Batman does not appreciate Alfred whatsoever. Um, he even like belittles him a number of times. You know, there's the line, like the sins of the, of the father shall be visited on the son. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's the Batman is trying to wrestle with this fact that my father was not a perfect man, right? He had flaws as well. And that means, you know, does that mean that my father was a bad man? Does that mean that my father was a terrible man? Does that mean that my father should be killed like the Riddler thinks he should be killed because he was tainted and, you know, he had given in at one point. And I love that scene of Alfred talking with the Batman in the hospital where he's like, no, your father was a great man. Like he, 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 he made a mistake, right? He trusted, uh, he trusted Falcone in that moment of weakness. He did it for you guys. He was not doing it as, you know, as selfish reasons. Like people are more nuanced than mm-hmm. you are assuming they are. It's not just good and bad. It's not just, you know, the bad guys doing bad stuff. You got to beat them over the head and good okay. guys. You got to, you know, we're the good guys and that's what we have to do. It's, it's not, the world's not black and white. Yeah. So, so there's a real sense of like, of like growth in his character because he's finally realizing the world's a little bit complicated. And maybe, maybe if he had realized that his father was a human person, then he wouldn't be stuck in this emotional immaturity that he's in. Uh, which also, I did, we haven't really been talking about her, but uh, uh, Selena Kyle, uh, the cat woman in this movie, she also has, has, I was going to say daddy issues. No, she also has issues with her father because she's always known that he's a piece of shit. He's, right. he's a bad guy running. And then like he, yeah, he, he got her mother pregnant and seemingly sort of knows that he's, that she's kind of like, like doesn't care. Kind of doesn't care. Yeah. yeah. He's a real piece of shit, real piece of work. Uh, but she seems far more mature in terms of like how to handle the world than, than Batman does. I mean, except for all the all the attempts at murdering, yeah. But in general, she seems like her feet are under her better, yeah, because she's she's been forced yeah. to survive, and Bruce Wayne has not been forced to survive, right? Like she's had to scrape by and make a living all along, and he's been able to be rich and away. Mm-hmm. Also, and he, just just while, while we're there, real quick, I just want to shout out Zoe Kravitz is fantastic in this movie. Um, we haven't really talked about her already, but she's she's really really good, and kind of one of those choices where it, I would never have picked her, but once she was picked, I was like, yeah, yes, 
that actually works really, really well. Um, and actually, I was I was looking at this 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 most recent watch through, the dialogue that she has with Batman, and the way that that the scenes are are specifically blocked out and the camera angles they use, it really reminds me of like an old like Bogart and Bacall movie, um, where you get like the little you get a little bit of the over the shoulder and you get a little bit of Batman's profile and her face. And then she says she has like cutesy names for him calling him vengeance and stuff. And it's this like kind of back and forth flirting where it, it really actually felt like an old timey kind of noir uh, pot boiler romance. And yeah. like, I just, I just watched a have and have not a little bit ago with the original bogey and Bacall movie um, straight up. I think that's what they were doing. And I think they did it really mm-hmm. well. And I think that that Kravitz has more than enough charisma to kind of carry those scenes along. Um, she's fantastic in this. I, I really loved her. Um, I just wanted to, to shout her out if we didn't get another chance to. Yeah, because we haven't really been talking about her. But her her really big moment is the confrontation with with her father, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, dad's played just such, such a huge role here. Um, but yeah, what, what... In a way that I actually don't think that... I think the movie does talk a lot about it, and I think, Dan, you've elucidated a lot of those ways really mm-hmm. well. But I don't think the movie actually really puts a bow on any of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if that's because they're they're seeding this in there. Um, like the, this is the first time we've really dealt with like the corruption of the Waynes and their their association with the other families in Gotham. Um, I wonder if maybe in other movies, I mean, specifically they hinted at the character of Hush, um, and the secret identity of that character is obviously someone very close to to Batman um in his early days. And is also very tied into the foundations of Gotham and these wealthy families and all. It turns into a real, uh, real Corleone mafioso kind of thing. And, oh, it's um, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's rad. And I wonder if it, if we're kind of waiting for that, like receding these issues, and we'll we'll deal with them later um, in a complete way. Yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of looking forward to some sequels here, just so because it really does seem like there were a bunch of seeds laying, and I really want to see them all bear fruit because. This this movie does feel like a trilogy. I, I guess we said like for for Batman, like he goes through the change, but everything else feels a little incomplete. I, I was curious to ask you, Vito, about the corruption of the Waynes. Is that something? That's something based in the comics, and were you like, oh, I like? Did you already know that? You know, ten minutes before it was exposed in the movie, because I don't, I I don't know much about the comics or about the the lore of Batman. And, and so I, I was curious if that was something that this movie was creating or if it was pulling from, from the comics. It's pulling from some comics. Um, definitely. There, there are definitely a few big reference points like um, Arkham Asylum, a serious house and serious, serious earth came out of the eighties. It's a really foundational, really kind of messed up graphic novel, but it's, it's brilliant and gorgeous. Um, it's actually pulling on some of the the lore from the Arkham games, which is also pulling from some stuff back in the 80s and 90s. Um, this this idea has been around that the Waynes are probably not the best family, or I mean, there's some comic runs where the Waynes are you know straight up corrupt. Um, this is I, I just thought it was really kind of bold and 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 thrilling that they would go this route. Because um, I mean, we 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 all saw we we saw Joker came out a few years ago, and there's that insinuation that the Waynes aren't great in that one. But that doesn't really seem to matter here. It doesn't seem to have much bearing, even though we do meet Bruce Wayne in that movie. Um, so when it when it was coming, I thought this is where it was going. When they flash up the, the word hush, I knew where it was going. But it was really exciting and fun because I they haven't done this yet. You know, this is it's it's been done in animated form like a long time ago. 
But for this to be like big budget Hollywood introducing to the world at large, hey guys, there's other ways you can see this Batman shit. It's not just the same way you're used to. There's all sorts of different crazy stuff out there. Uh, was just again, it was another thing that I loved about this movie. Jesse, did you have any other themes that you saw? You know, there's lots. I think I think I could, we could, and we could. But I think I think it's time to move on a little bit. If Mike were here, I know we dwell on this a lot more. But Mike, <laughs> you're not, so I'm I'm calling the cap on themes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank did. you, Spirit of Mike. <laughs> um, the in, Spirit in the of Mike is shouting. Um, the um, Spirit in the Sky. Um, <laughs> I hope that's not where I go when I die. Uh, I would like to call a sidebar and I would like to direct you to the link that I've sent you in the chat. Okay. All right. All this Batman is, movies. This is a list of 66 titles. These are all the things that have Batman in them. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have an opinion about each of these for sure. I don't think that you've seen Batman Unlimited colon Animal Instincts. Uh, I also don't think that you have seen Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I, I want to see it. I think I, I know, did I a long time ago. I don't know if you've seen Lego DC Batman colon Family Matters. <laughs> I, I've never seen the Lego Batman before. Oh, Batman uh, and Mr. Free Sub-Zero. Yeah, I remember exactly. that one. Exactly. Yes, yeah. yes. Get familiar uh-huh. with this list. Batman Beyond, um, of course. Hell yeah. So so given this list, um, there's a lot of stuff on here. I don't think the Suicide Squad I don't think Suicide Squad should be on here. He's not, he's barely in that. Yeah. So I wanted to rank, I wanted to do some quick Batman ranking. I didn't want to get exhaustive. I didn't want to get crazy, but I, I have such a passion for DC Comics in general and for Batman as a character specifically. Um that it's just something I work on all the time. I'm always watching DC animated movies. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really like them, even though they're mostly not good. Oh, the Lego movie. Yeah, that's on here. Yeah. But there's also like some really fantastic stuff that if you haven't seen it, like um, like Batman Mask the Phantasm is probably one of the top three Batman movies ever made. Um, and it's a 75-minute animated movie that was made by the creators of the animated show. And it's it's just killer. It's so freaking good. And so mature and weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've heard about it. Never, never seen it. I really wanted to watch it for this podcast, but could not get around to it. It's on HBO Max. And again, 75 minutes. That's a good time. <laughs> That's a great time. Uh, just enough to be qualifying for a theatrical run, which it did. Um, so, so looking at all this and let's, I don't know, throw out, throw out some favorites of yours here. Like, like, do you guys have, does one of you have like special affinity for the Burton Batmans? Do you, is someone really like Batman Forever? Like, I don't know. Try, I don't, try and come up with like a some stuff you want to shout out. Uh, well, okay. Let's, uh, I guess I'll shout out the the live actions. Because I guess I've seen, not all of the live actions. Because I think there were a couple from way back in the day. Like in the 60s. And I've yes. seen one of them. The one where, I can't remember which one it is. But they, <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's just it's Batman such, from 1966. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, there are sharks on the helicopter, and to get it out, they need shark repellent. I don't, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, and there's boom and power that flashes on the screen. Bam! Bam! Yeah. <laughs> Batman! <laughs> yeah. It's got a special place, um, but it's it's not up there with my favorite. My, my favorites are still all Nolan. All the Nolans. 
probably like collectively with with the Dark Knight and then the Dark Knight Rises and then Batman Begins. And the Batman is solidly number four. Yeah, I'd put that in number four. And then I've still got a special place. I, I know nobody really, ex- except Vito, really likes this movie, but Batman versus Superman. I love that shit. I love that shit. <laughs> that shit's so good. I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense, but thematically, I find I found that it worked. So compelling. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea of like the Batman trying to take down gods. That was yeah. cool. And him yeah. being like the epitome of man. And just like lifting all those weights and just like getting ready and psyched to go fight Bat- uh, Superman. Yeah, I was I was into that. Um, and then I've got a special place in my heart for the Tim Burton Batman. Not so much any of the other ones. I don't really care about any of the other three that really came after. Like I sort of like... Batman Returns and then Batman Forever is just so goofy. And so is Batman and Robin. Yeah. To the point where I, I put them down with the, the 66 Batman. Like, uh, this is just a goofy time. If you're watching this and you're enjoying it, you know, you knew beforehand what you're getting into. Otherwise, I don't think you'll like it. Camp um, is all hell. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, but as, I've been, I've seen like a handful of the animated ones, but that was when I was a kid. So I can't even really comment too much on those. Um, like Vita, what what's your Batman ranking? Um, I, I am gonna have to say I think my favorite piece of Batman is Mask of the Phantasm. I think that just in terms of communicating who he is and his journey and the temptations that he has to like deviate from his path, um, it's a big one. It's a really big one. I think it's it's sensitive. It's sensitively told. It's very dark. It's very brooding. Um, it's not really what you what you see of Batman very often now. And I think Bruce Tim really locked onto something. But um, a lot of the, the best Batman stuff is animated. Um, like one of the best animated movies I've ever seen is the two part adaptation of of The Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller's um, mm. seminal graphic novel uh, that was turned into two movies. Uh, each of them are about seventy six minutes. Um, they're fantastic. Like they're, they're so good and it's a beautiful adaptation. It disregards things that it needs to, and it, it keeps some in where it needs to as well. Um, and for it to be this like staggering two part epic, my wife watched both of them with me because she was so captivated by the storytelling of it um, and how interesting it is. And it takes place. Uh, it's about old Batman. Um, the world's gone to hell. It's turned into a dystopia. We're in an alternate timeline and Bruce Wayne is vanished as Batman. And then he comes back because the Joker is back. Um, but it's a lot more than that. There are Nazis involved. There's giants. There's it, it's it's mutants. <laughs> it gets really weird. Um, but it's it's bad. That sounds ass. great. <laughs> um, yeah. So a lot of that animated stuff, if you can find it, is really good. I would just look up some lists because um, they'll point you to the good ones. But Mask of the Phantasm, The Dark Knight Returns, parts one and two, really high up there. I really enjoy the Long Halloween parts one and two. It's not as good as those other ones. Um, the Flashpoint Paradox is fantastic. If you've never read that, it's gonna you're all it's gonna be shoved down our throats here in a few years through the theatrical releases. Um, so better experience it. Really, really well done before you watch that. Um, also, it's a fantastic comic. Like I, I could I could talk for forever about Batman. I love it so much. I, uh, the the Burton ones were so important to me as a kid. I loved Batman Forever. I still like it, but I find it really hard to watch because Jim Carrey is <laughs> difficult. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and then obviously the Nolan ones, we've talked about those. It's hard for me to rank them, but I would have to say that number one, Mask of the Phantasm. Um, number two, I am going to say Dark Knight Rises. Number three, I'm going to say The Batman. Number four, I'm going to say The Dark Knight. Number five, I'm going to say Batman Begins. Um, mm. Yeah, and then after that, probably number six is Dark Knight Returns Part 1 and 2 because it's right there. It's right there um, in terms of quality. So that, that that's where I'm at. That's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, Dan, anything, anything to add to the sidebar? I I wish I had more experience with Batman to have I feel like my opinions are really not worth a whole lot because I have not seen a whole lot of Batman and I've seen the Christopher Nolan stuff. I remember I have a vivid memory of being at a sleepover with my buddies when I was like seven or eight and my buddy had a screen TV back when like that meant he was well off. That meant he was like really well off. <laughs> And we were watching movies like one after the other because all the parents went to bed and, you know, what else are we going to do? We're going to watch movies. And I remember I put on Batman and Robin at like 1130, which was probably the latest I'd ever stayed up. (laughs) And it was so bizarre. And so like, I just remember being glued to the screen because it was like, just going, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Even at seven, I was just like, this is crazy, but like entertaining. It was entertaining. And I, I, I have not watched it since. And I listening to you talk about the animated stuff, though, I have heard that anybody that's really into Batman cannot stop talking about the animated stuff. And that it, there's got to be something there that I just need to devote like a month of my life to and just say, this is Batman month. I'm going to sit down and watch at least like the top 10, something right. where I can like have an actual appreciation for this stuff. Cause it's, it's very enticing to me. I love, you know, out of your top five, I love like three or four of those a lot. Um, I also really like the, you know, I know it's not a Batman movie, but Joker, the, um, what's his name? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Like I really dug that movie. Uh, so yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed everything in the, from that universe and I just need to expose myself a little bit more. We'll have to talk about Joker another time. There's also an animated one called Superman Red Sun, where what if instead of landing in Kansas, Superman actually landed in the Soviet Union? And what if Batman was a Russian terrorist who was blowing shit up? It's awesome. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I also, but for all this, I'm actually put this audio into the episode. If you guys could click on the second link that I've sent you, this is actually the best Batman moment of all time. You're scheduled to go to Jim Gordon's retirement party. What? No, I don't want to do that. I'm going to have a great time. No, 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 you no. You might meet some new people. No, 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 no. You even make some new friends. No, 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 no. <laughs> i saw um, that oh my goodness night with my with my wife and <laughs> she, she just turned to me and she's like it's you we're in the theater she's like, it's you <laughs> oh man that just inspired me to possibly watch lego batman with my kids because that seems like is, is that kid appropriate um, well, there's like a whole like remember in the end, all the it's actually all the bad guys from like Warner Brothers um, 
uh, slate of movies are all there. So it's like Sauron and the Joker and Voldemort and all that. They're all the bad guys. So okay. it might be like incomprehensible for your kids, but I don't think it's scary. Oh, I, I yeah, it could be incomprehensible to them. I don't, <laughs> it's going to be. It's a Lego movie. They'll be no, laughing because I Dad don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> also, me in podcast meetings. Um, okay. Oh, hey, uh, sidebar ended. Thank you. Um, Dan, uh, Danithy. Actually, I'm just going to call you Dan. Dan, Dan <laughs> do you have any question that you wanted to ask? Um, I We might have kind of already talked about it. I was going to ask about how this movie lands in the broader landscape of superhero movies, right? We're, we're just, at this point, it's just a part of our lives that every year there's going to be you know, Many. seven yeah. new Marvel movies and TV shows. Everything is superheroes and it's kind of here to stay. I don't know that it's going away any, anytime soon. And um, how does this movie land as far as like part of that bigger landscape? Is it something, you know, t- we've never seen before? Is it something that's just taking, you know, from other, like we've talked about, it takes from the Zodiac, it takes from, jigsaw it takes from you know the neo-noir genre it's uh it definitely is pulling from some of the best thing you know some great things that are mm-hmm. in the culture um is this something that's unique is it something that will be you know catching on are we gonna are marvel movies gonna change now because of this movie or is it like a one-off thing is it going to be, you know, th- that's kind of what I was going to ask is mm. how does this stand as part of the broader superhero landscape? This does do something important where um, I would say that the, the style it's going for doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like the Marvel feel good. Like it doesn't feel like the superhero style that I've come to, to know and, and tolerate and kind of like sometimes. Um. Yeah, instead, like it's trying to tell a story with a superhero in it, and trying to explore what that looks like, and that is, I think, inevitably where superhero movies needed to go. So I, I see it as like a, an evolution of our, and reaction to things that Mar- Marvel's doing, and I'm excited to see where this sort of questioning about how superheroes fit in a modern day world and what they what their alter egos look and feel like if they actually had to do these things mm-hmm. um uh what what that looks like i i like that i like exploring that i think that's interesting i think that's cool and yes it's a far cry from marvel and still far different than anything that's come before and in terms of like style it's like the least superhero thing that you could possibly think of, which is just like it's it's a serial killer and a detective out there. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that, and I I actually think to go a little bit further with that, I would say I don't think this is going to impact almost anything at all in superhero culture at all. I think that Batman has always had um, a certain amount of the market share, and people expect this kind of thing. Like they didn't, we didn't, we didn't know that this sort of thing could come from a Batman story. Mm-hmm. told in this way with this sort of style with these sorts of homages to these kinds of movies but it makes sense now that it's here but looking at everything that DC is doing you know DC 
seems to be really about making sure its superhero worlds converge as little as possible. Um, it's doing all these, like, it's doing the exact opposite of Marvel, right? We are not bringing them together. That did not work. We do not come together anymore. Justice League was bad and the Snyderverse is no more. So oh. now it's like, you know, this thing over here, like Aquaman is not really related to Shazam. Who's not really related to Batman is not really related to Joker. Like these are just the movies that are out there. They're not really touching in the way mm-hmm. that Marvel's doing. Except for the new movie that's going to come out flash, which will feature Batman again uh, from Tim, like Michael Keaton. Feature Michael Keaton. Yeah. Coming but you back see, that's, as the Batman. But that's, that's way different, right? That's 40 some years removed. Um, and it's just going to feature him. Like, I don't really know how big a deal that's going to be. Also, that movie's just been plagued with production difficulties. Um, like the, the closest that I'm seeing to a crossover, because again, I'm thinking about the, the, the quote unquote DCEU of which I don't really count anything that came out before um, Man of Steel, which is really what launched that. Um, mm-hmm. Even that, like we're leaving, we're kind of leaving behind Henry Cavill. Like the, the future of Superman is in, is in jeopardy. We don't really know what's going to happen with him. Will he ever come back for an actual sequel to his movie? Probably not. Um, DC is going to DC the way that DC does. And it's always going to be weird and incomprehensible. And we're always going to say, that seems like the wrong move. Like, did you, did you know there's supposed to be a spinoff movie from Aquaman called the trench? There was a horror movie set in the Mariana trench that was going to be directed by the, by written and directed by the director of not only like the conjuring and insidious and saw that was James Wan who directed Aquaman was going to do a horror movie in the Mariana trench in the world of Aquaman. That would have been rad. Wow. You know, the most interesting idea I've heard in like, in like five years. No, (laughs) not doing it. And instead they're like, but black Adam, right? (laughs) Everyone wants the rock as a superhero. So, you know, this one, this one. Do you, do you think that this movie could affect the DCEU? No, like you don't think it will. Cause, cause you're, you're right that this is a more, this is, this is DC taking it even more serious more grounded and more slow than I've seen any DC movie. I feel like those are the general attributes people, you know, uh, assume that a DC movie is going to have. It's going to be more for adults. It's grown up. It's serious mm-hmm. and it's darker. This movie had all of those things, but it just did them really well. And so I don't know, like maybe this has kind of, entrench them more into that idea of like, if we just, you know, point it towards quote unquote adult viewers, you know, maybe that's our niche, right? We, we got to get, think they're, I think they're going to try that with Batman specifically. Yeah. Um, Cause there's two sequels that are planned for this plus two spinoff shows. Okay. On HBO. One of them is going to focus on, on the penguin. Um, it's going to star Colin Farrell. Um, that one is almost definitely happening. Um, the other one is about the Gotham PD. Uh, what are they doing while Batman's doing his Batman thing, right? That will probably happen, maybe happen, but that's based on a, a series of graphic novels that were really, really good. Um, I have them on my shelf. Uh, and if I'm going to guess, there's going to be like TV 14, maybe TVMA kind of stuff. I mean, but like Joker was rated R. It made a ton of money. This is rated PG-13. It made a ton of money. Um, they're just, I think they're going to keep it in this world though, because the things that make a billion dollars, like the other things that, that makes just a lot more money. Just mm-hmm. keep doing that. But this other thing, like, I mean, this made $750 million, but they had to pay 200 million to get there. You know, it's much more diminishing returns. 
Um, I think there will always be a small place for this sort of thing, but I think it's going to stay small by necessity. I don't think there's no growth here. It's just the same people who love this sort of thing, right? It's a reliable market share that doesn't grow. Um, so they'll just keep making them for people like people like you and me. They're, that's why they keep making the DC animated movies. You know, they keep making two, three million dollars. Who cares? They keep making two to three million dollars. It never goes down, right? Um, it, it's like it's almost like a subscription service to our favorite thing that we want to see. It just takes a few years to come out. Um, I think that's probably where they 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 have positioned the market, and I don't I I really don't see a reason why it would get any bigger. I, I hope someone wants to disagree with me. And and tell me why I'm wrong and the future of superheroes is in the gritty. But I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, you're probably right. Yeah, probably in 10 years when everybody... The rubber band effect? Yeah. That's when all the Marvel movies... But watch, watch. What will happen is Marvel will be gritty. The, the I, th- I think they're going to do it. will be gnarly. <laughs> I, th- I think they're going to have to do it because like, I think the Netflix shows actually tip their hand too early. You know, they were too gritty, too fast. And Marvel was like, no, like we're going to slow down on those. But I bet those will come back. I bet there's already are kind of yeah, they're Charlie to. Cox along, you know, like, oh, yeah, you'll get your Daredevil movie. Don't worry. It'll happen. You know, like sucker. I bet we can keep you waiting for like six more years. They're waiting. <laughs> they're waiting. And they're going to do it sometime. And then they'll pro- and then watch DC will become the next MC <laughs> because they'll do like they can go back happy. to camp. They can go yeah. back to camp again, and then mm-hmm. it'll be like refreshing, right? Right. I can't wait for the ten years from now the Camp Batman that'll come out. It'll it'll be there. It, it will. It really will happen. You're oh, right. Yeah. There will be a rubber banding, uh, and the companies will trade places, and that's just what it's going to be like. And that's okay um, because that's what always happens. That's what's always happened with everything. Um, right. But I think that we should we should pull this. To a close, my friends, we've been talking for a long time. Um, I've really enjoyed it, though. Thank you so much for for all of you just enthusiastically participating in conversations about Batman. <laughs> oh. um, I love bats. You know, gotta love them. Jesse, with you loving bats so much, is this a dad movie and would you show it to your kids? Yeah, it's a dad movie. Uh, yeah, I want this movie to be associated with me. It's cool. It's weird. It's out there. This is different than anything else that they've been seeing. This will not be a first encounter with Batman, though. This is not a first encounter movie. Like, like he even says, this is year two for him, right? I think you could do the entire, you probably should do the entire Nolan series first. That is not quite as dark. Um, and also shows Batman's beginnings. You know, Batman Begins. Like that should watch those parents die, man. The kids got to see the dead parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do need to see that. This this movie implies that, and thankfully, it does not show that (laughs) because we've seen it far too many times, especially in Batman v Superman. Ah, um. So yeah, I think it's got to be that, and then uh, and then maybe by then I will have watched and approved a few animated Batmans that my kids could watch because I don't know what they have in there. That's I right. I, have, I, I believe you asked me a long time ago to get you a list. I should get you a list and then we should also publish it. Oh yeah. If, if I could watch that with my son, he'd be so like ever since I showed him uh part of Batman begins, he now thinks that being a dad is you have to watch Batman. Like that is the thing <laughs> that, all dads, wrong. <laughs> that all dads do and should be done. And he's looking forward to being a dad so he can do it. 
Oh, it's nice. That and watching Lord of the Rings, because I also did the same thing where I let him watch a little bit. And he's like, when I grow up, I'm going to watch Lord of the Rings and Batman. <laughs> <laughs> That's his pinnacle. Well um, done, child. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities. Great. Um, yeah. So this is going to come after all the Nolans. That's all I can say. I don't know quite when they're coming, but that is the order. I don't know the age. How about you, Dan? Dad movie, and when would you show it to the kids? Yeah, I, I think it's definitely, I agree with everything you said um, as far as the order that I'll show them to my kids. I definitely think it's a dad movie. It's um, it's pulling from a lot of different genres, and there's a lot of context. Uh, just the few Batman movies that I have seen, I was bringing context into it with that, and it sounds like definitely, Vito, you were bringing a lot more appreciation to this movie because of the context of like all the Batman stuff. I, I had no idea about hush that that was a, a nod to a future villain. Like there's a a lot of stuff like that that can um, make a movie that much more enjoyable. Um, As far as the age for my kids, definitely the, the killings and the Riddler, they're pretty serious. Uh, They have a jigsaw. Um, kind of aspect to him with like the There's rats a guy gets eating his face eaten by rats. Yeah. yeah, It's gnarly. <laughs> it's gnarly. And even though they don't show it, it's implied in a very mm. visceral way. And I, I definitely don't think that I, I would say definitely not younger than like 15. Um, yeah. but definitely like definitely junior or senior year of high school. I would want them to, to, to yeah. see this. And definitely after having some some exposure to what the Batman is in all these other contexts and universes and and uh, and bring that appreciation to this movie. Yeah, I yeah, I think 15 is a good age. I was going to say older, but usually I say older when there's when I think they really have to delineate between like good and evil and really uh, if I think they'll struggle with good and evil and see bad as being good or good as being bad. And I don't think they'll make that mistake in this movie though. Don't think that's a problem. The, like, the, 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 the Riddler, Riddler is, just, is just like an insane chucklehead. Yeah. <laughs> he He's insane. He's bad. And he's like, he's kind of a loser. Like no one really is rooting for the Riddler here. <laughs> no one wants to be like this guy. Yeah. What about you, Vito? Dad movie? Yeah, I agree with everything you guys have said. And for the reasons that you said them, um, yeah, this is. I, I want this to be associated with me, especially if this is going to be a trilogy. I I I want. I mean, when when my kid is old enough, when any of my kids are old enough to see this movie, the trilogy will be out. Um, hell, we might even already have another new Batman coming along by the time my child is fifteen the years camp old. Batman, yeah, it's eleven years from now. Like <laughs> yeah. it's it's pretty likely. Um, and so I I'm looking forward to that. Like I will have the Nolan trilogy from my childhood and then the Batman trilogy from my young adulthood. I don't know. Young regular adulthood. Fuck. I don't know. No, uh, we're just late. adults. I'm cutting this. I don't, old, do, I don't know. I, I'm 20 still. Okay. <laughs> uh, especially cause we're talking about Batman. Um, so it really comes down to how, how do I want my kid to, to approach Batman? I'm already getting her to watch the animated series. Um, it's, it's a little bit too old for her. We've done a couple episodes and she's been like, uh, it's a little scary. I'm like, okay, I hear you. Um, she's like, we should watch Superman though. That was bright. <laughs> I, yeah. I agree. It's very, it's very bright. Um, so we'll just see where it lies. Uh, I would love, I would love, love, love it. If, if my daughter's, um, 
like Batman. And I'd love it if they liked this, but there's so much in this movie. Uh, it's such a big weighty text. I would say at least 15, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a dad movie for me for sure. A hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, as always, when we are missing a host, it is sad. So we miss Mike. Mike, I hope you're out there. Hope you're okay. Take care. Um, but from all of us at Not Your Father's Movies, I'm Vito. I'm Dan. I'm Jesse. Take care. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Not Your Father's Movies. Please let us know what you think about movies and our discussions on our Twitter at NYF Movies on our Not Your Father's Movies Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram or email us at notyourfathersmovies at gmail.com. Also, please consider supporting us on Patreon. This podcast has cost us a lot of time, effort, and money. Please consider contributing, and we will start sending you monthly newsletters, our bonus WhatsApp episodes, and even an NYFM mug. We hope to hear from you soon. Lastly, thank you to Max Augers for our awesome theme playing right now, and to Andy LaFave from Don't Dance for the remix that you hear at the beginning of every episode. Thanks again for listening to Not Your Father's Movies.